0: is going on guys you are tuning into the justin henry show today is wednesday august 31st we only got eight days left eight days left until the regular season starts i got my man chris allen in he's a contributor on four for four uh football football guys nbc sports edge established a run you name it he's on it and we're going to be talking today about the afc north breaking it down the schedule and then also talking about some rookies too this is justin henry show stay tuned (laughs) You're watching The Justin Henry Show on YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. Make sure you follow on all social media platforms. Chris, my man, good to have you on. Appreciate you coming in. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right, man. Like we were talking beforehand,
1: it's just like getting into the swing of like the regular season start. I mean, we're just like you were saying, we're just a week away. And it already feels like i'm trying to mentally prepare myself for the grind you know because yeah. it's like every day we're just gonna have like new pieces of information tossed status, like d- roster decisions we're gonna have to make like all that stuff so i'm just like trying to prepare myself like for these next what four or five months of just complete chaos but i'm looking forward to it as we do every year man
0: yeah it's it's what we want right it's what we ask for when we come into this industry we know that it's the hectic time of year right now. The season's getting ready to start for fantasy purposes. Everybody's had their takes. And so we're all going to be mm. right or wrong after week one. Yeah. For the real for real football, it's like there's a lot of pressure. Every team is Super Bowl ready, except for the few down there. Yeah. But every team has Super Bowl aspirations right now. So we're here to talk about it, man. And you mentioned right now there's a lot of things going on. Preseason just ended. There's been some cuts, some signings. So let's talk about some breaking news. This segment's called This Just In. Now, there were some signings, but i got to talk about a trade that just happened within the last hour or two. Uh, Jalen Rager is headed to Minnesota. We saw him get picked in the first round and just kind of have a flame out there in Philly. He still, you know, it's tough to, to call it. Like, he still seems like a talented player. Maybe just couldn't catch on, so to speak, in Philly. Now mm-hmm. headed to Minnesota in a role in the offense that seems to be pretty nice. You think he has an opportunity there? Oh,
1: 100%, because if you just look at the wide receiver group that's in minnesota right now i mean headlined by justin jefferson absolutely like one of the best receivers in the game at this point back-to-back years with like 1400 plus yard seasons like under his belt already and he's just now in his third season but you've got adam thielen adam thielen's what 29 30 yeah, years old it's he's like, getting he's up there now they're in age at this point and of course like behind him is at the third wide receiver spot is KJ osborne who people are pretty excited about But folks like BC Johnson, he just tore his ACL, what was it, last weekend or the weekend before? So the Reds don't have any depth behind them. So the Eagles, like making this move to send him over to Minnesota, makes a ton of sense because Minnesota needs that type of depth. They need that type of ability because Jalen Rager, like when he was on the field, like he was more of a a deep threat. Like coming out of college, that's what we saw him as being contested catch, like deep threat. And this was and he was placed on a team where they really kind of miscast him to be quite honest because if you look at like where they tried to place him at like being their primary x receiver that was never going to be rager's game so now if he has the ability to play off of guys like justin jefferson guys like adam thielen and just be let's say uh, a deep slot or maybe even just playing like the x role like on the outside that would allow justin jefferson to play the z I mean, that absolutely fits into what Minnesota wants to do and what Rager can do. So I like the signing for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was a great landing place for me. It seems like he can take a lot of pressure off himself. Now, obviously, in Philly, he had that first round draft pick stamped on his name. So he had to always live up to that. He goes to the Vikings, although there's the, the funny thing going around about the Justin Jefferson and Jalen Reger draft mm-hmm. day thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to get into that because I really think he has an opportunity here to play that Van Jefferson type role in Kevin O'Connell's offense. I really can see him emerging through that role. So it might take him a minute to, to rise up the depth chart. But for me, I was glad to see him go to Minnesota because I feel like there's a redemption story there. It's not maybe not first-round draft pick status redemption story, but enough for Jalen Reger to, to you know stick onto an NFL roster. I would love to see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Next, we had a couple signings today uh, after cut day, saw some cuts happen. Uh, One of them was Tyler Johnson, uh, obviously from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It was a big shock for a lot of people, even Mm -hmm. though that's a loaded receiver room, headed to the Texans with an opportunity there. Uh, How do you feel about the fit?
1: I do like the fit, honestly. Now, I think that at this point we're all expecting Nico Collins to be essentially like their big slot. So and I, I have like no problems with that at all. But this is another team that could really need some depth at wide receiver because we're thinking about Brandon Cooks up at the top, like for the Texans. Yeah, he's not getting any younger. We just talked about Nico Collins now in his what second, third season. So like they need they need growth. they need development. This is a team that's trying to at least break it all down at each skill position, right? Because everybody's all excited about Damian Pierce, like with the <laughs> release of Marlon Mack. So it's like this team needs to get younger. And with Tyler Johnson coming over from the Bucks, we saw him throughout the preseason playing essentially the Chris Godwin role. Like that guy like in the slot that like, was capable of like, not necessarily like, always winning contested catches, but at least converting some of those third downs and at least being somewhat trustworthy for Tom Brady. Now he didn't have the same trust level as guys like Scotty Miller, but he was at right. least capable of producing like when he needed to for the most part. So and this is what the Texans need at this point. So while he might not be a guy that I'm going to be actively targeting even in redraft or in dynasty, not for this season, but let's see how things look. And in 2023, when that roster starts to take a bit more shape, give the Texans maybe one more year, you know, then then I might start to look at him in, in either format.
0: Upside is the name of the game. So Dynasty, yeah, if you want to take a flyer on him, maybe. I'm not interested at all in redraft. Something would have to happen drastically this season for him to play a factor later on. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but in Dynasty, if you got a deeper league, deeper bench, I ain't mad at you because, yeah. and you mentioned Marlon Mack too. Obviously, everybody's talked about Damian Pierce. We'll get to him in a little bit. But Marlon Mack back on the practice squad, I thought this was odd. Like Pep Hamilton's guy came in there, and then they cut him, bring him back to the practice squad. Something seems. I don't understand that move. To be honest,
1: no, I don't really get it either. And it could just be. I mean, I know. I that like almost immediately after the move happened, we can see this kind of being. If we can connect the dots between like guys like Marlon Mack, guys like Donta Foreman, and guys like Cam Akers. Now this season, like it's just we are all hyped to see guys coming back from these ACL ta- or not ACL Achilles tears. Right? Can they do it? I don't know at this point. We're not getting the same like positive vibes that we were getting like towards the back end of last year where we saw like flashes from Marlon Mack, saw flashes from Cam Akers, and then now we see him kind of, you know, get put back onto the practice squad. But I've got some hope. And like you said, like with his connection with Pep, it could be a chance that he gets called up at some point throughout the season when the team is flailing which is likely to happen anyway what are they <laughs> yeah. projected for like five and a half wins yeah, something it's like, like that four
0: and a half five and a half wins somewhere right there.
1: so it's like they're gonna need some help at some point throughout yeah. the season believe me so I can see I can see okay. Mac getting his shot but it just won't be in the way that we thought it was going to
0: be I was I was the guy I say this every episode I feel like I have to now just because Damian Pierce hit I was the guy that was like oh Damian Pierce it's not his time yet midseason get him uh-huh. later on Marlon yeah. Mack will be the guy and of course it turned out to be practice squad guy now <laughs> yeah a couple other bigger names that got signed before we get into this afc north conversation uh sony michelle oj howard and so some you know obviously oj howard quick very quick stay in buffalo headed to, to the mm-hmm. Bengals, and then sony michelle quick stay in miami headed to the chargers to to kind of back up that that running back core which one to you was more impactful because both of these guys were obviously short stays at their new locations
1: no for me it's got to be sony michelle at this point because I think all of the hype coming out of this year's draft class was that Isaiah Spiller was going to be like the RB two, like behind Austin Eckler. But Austin Eckler himself came out and said that he wanted a guy that could run in tandem with him, almost kind of like when he first came into league, and it was him and Melvin Gordon before Melvin Gordon left. Good point. So, and Spiller looked like he was going to be that guy because if you look at it from a just a pure archetype standpoint, like how big he was, the fact that he could be a decent pass catcher out of the backfield, and just his size. He could be that guy to like bang between the tackles where Austin Eckler could, if he needed to, you know, run between the tackles, but he was his best asset as being a receiver. But we've just seen Spiller just be inefficient, to say the least, so yeah. far throughout most of the offseason and preseason. I've got my doubts as to his long term viability. So for me, Sony Michel automatically inserts himself into an ambiguous backfield that we know at least is useful. I mean, Justin Jackson last season, when we saw Austin Eckler go down, he was very useful from a fantasy standpoint. Might not have been the most efficient guy on the field, but hey, <laughs> we don't care about efficiency when it comes don't to running back. Just score, touch. baby. Just score. And Sonny Michel can do the same thing if he's given a shot. So if I had to place my bet between him and O.J. Howard in terms of who would be the more fantasy relevant, it's got to be Sonny Michel in that high power Chargers offense for sure.
0: I'm with you there. We saw Joshua Kelly have a strong preseason too, and it's, it just gives him a little bit more competition, a little bit more depth because last year towards the end of the season, Eckler was getting a little banged up. And so they have brought in the help. They brought in some battering Rams there for him. And Sonny Michelle did well for himself in, uh, in L.A. last year with the Rams. So to mm. me, I feel like this is a good opportunity for him to get back on track, avoid the crowded backfield that is Miami, and step into a really nice potential role there for the Chargers. And I'm not really feeling the O.J. Howard move. I don't know what happened to him, man. I I thought for sure he would have a place in in the NFL and it seems like he's getting bounced around right now.
1: Yeah. That's what it looks like, which is kind of sad considering coming out of college, he was one of those like just athletic freaks at the tight end position. I mean, I would, I remember hearing, I mean, there's tons of comparisons to, I mean, if I'm remembering correctly, I mean, just like any of the like athletic tight ends, like Jimmy Graham's of the world, Jimmy Graham. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, Seeing him not being able to catch on with the the Bucs, and I get it because of injuries and whatnot, I understand. And especially once that they brought in Tom Brady, it was like you need guys that you can rely on day in and day out because it's turbo time with Tom Brady because we've only got him for so many years. We're trying to get to the Super Bowl, can't have any questions about who's going to be catching the ball. So I get it. I thought that he was going to catch on in Buffalo, to be quite honest. I mean, behind Dawson Knox, I thought it was at least a decent fit for him. So I don't know how Cincinnati is going to use him, to be quite honest. It looks like they need more of like blocking tight ends, which is why I thought yeah. the acquisition of Devin Asiasi was a bit more intriguing like than O.J. Howard. But we'll see. I mean, he, he is a deep threat and Cincinnati needs players that can create explosives on offense. So I get it. But it's just at this point in the offseason, I mean, we're talking August 31st. I mean, yeah. season starts in like, what, 10 days. I, I don't know how how quickly he can catch on and if he'll actually be useful from a fantasy standpoint.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a hell of a point there where you got to learn a whole new offense now. You played with Brady, you played with Josh Allen, and now you go to Joe Burrow. And you got a right. new quarterback, too. So, right, you know. yeah. Good points there. Well, that does it for the breaking news segment. Speaking of the Bengals and Joe Burrow, let's talk about this AFC North. This section is called Straight Up, where we talk about betting. Straight Up is presented by Pickett. You can download it. Track all your bets for free. You get three dollars or a hundred dollars if you sign up. No matter what, just track your bets there. Free promo. There you go. Hey, and I'm rough on on these little, you know, the promos. I'm rough on it, man. It's only been a month on the show, so I'm trying <laughs> to get it all dialed in, man. <laughs> but let's talk a- AFC North. And so obviously, there's you know the Bengals won this division last year. We mm-hmm. saw the Ravens kind of flame out. Lamar got hurt. What are your thoughts overall on this division? Because it feels like there's two competitors and then we got two that are probably going to be bringing up the rear just because of the whole situation with their quarterbacks.
1: Yeah. And I think that's the best way to put it at this point, because you can look at each offense and how it's kind of constructed and just look at the quarterback rankings right there. I mean, Lamar and Joe Burrow, I mean top not just top in this division probably at least have contention for being one of the guys like in terms of the entire afc i mean if you talk about any of the quarterbacks you want to draft in fantasy pretty much all the guys are in the afc at this point from starting at the top with like patrick mahomes and josh allen like even if you want to drop all the way down to guys like russell Wilson, who's being drafted like qb8 qb9 but both lamar and joe burrow are firmly in that conversation but then the other two I mean, if you want to talk about the nasty man, Deshaun Watson, okay, fine. But that's not till 2023 that we have to worry about Deshaun Watson. But then, of course, you got Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky like over in like, so it's like the ranks almost set themselves like by the quarterbacks, right? But I think the biggest question is for both of the top two franchises in the AFC North, for the Ravens, it's can everybody stay healthy? Because that team is fragile. I mean, Lamar Jackson himself, I mean, he spent how many weeks like being out because of either getting sick from COVID? he was uh, injured with that ankle injury that kept him out for quite a few weeks as well. So it's, can he stay healthy, but it's also, can the rest of the team stay healthy? I mean, this is a team that's now going to be featuring Rashad Bateman, a wide receiver, and then who else, right? Who's, who's their wide receiver two? Who's their (laughs) wide receiver three? Like we know who their other, like their other top pass catcher is going to be, but it's Mark Andrews. So it's like, if there's any sort of injury to the, the skill positions right now, They're going to find themselves right back in the same spot they were in 2021, which is something of a concern. I like the offensive line and everything. I I like the fact that most of their defense is coming back. But on offense, unless it's going to be Lamar Jackson's show again, like it was back in 2019, 2020, when he bust out on the scene. Again, I've got questions about like if that's going to be the case, because it's just it's again, it seems really fragile
0: well he's asking for the bag so they're definitely going to be leaning on him a lot this year and like you mentioned there's just not a lot of depth on this team we've seen jk is struggling to get back on the field so they're signing Mm -hmm. kenyan drake here in a rush and we're we're talking about devin duvernay and james proche like being the guys so anything were to happen to, to bateman which we saw last year it would be a struggle but let's get into some of these these games and let's talk actually about the ravens schedule because they have um you know obviously they're they're the favorites right now their win total is set at 10 and a half so what we could do is just kind of go over the schedule and see what it's looking like and predict the games out i'm trying to pull it up right now i have it boom here it is and let me get this a little more dialed in for us because that's kind of far out i can't really see that so here we go there we go So, so the Ravens schedule they open up uh with the jets and it looks like you know uh, just kind of taking a look at these first couple games before their buys, they they play the jets, the dolphins, the Patriots, they go on that AFC East tour. How do you see those first three games playing out?
1: I mean, the jets without even the fact that the jets have like at least boosted both their pass rush and their secondary, like with, you know, they got sauce and that's fine, but it's just, I still think them being able from the offensive standpoint, I mean, the Ravens defense is going to absolutely mull. I mean, the jets like front seven, like there ain't no doubt about it. So that's an easy win, like right there. Now, Miami's defense and also uh like New England's defense like I get there is some attrition for New England at this point but it's tough for me again to bet against like Bill Belichick's defenses at this point point. and the same with the Bills Bills defense is also one of the toughest in the league so I see right. I mean out of those 3 games right there so Miami New England and then Buffalo I could see at least one to two wins maybe if they can squeak one out against New England but that's going to be a tough schedule Bengals defense isn't uh, isn't a tough uh isn't a pushover either. So I think right. those those three, four weeks right there, that's going to be a tough month. And then the Giants should be able to get past them without too much of an issue. So I think over those first four games, 500 I think is at least, uh, I think that's that's realistic. Uh, but again, if there are any injuries or something like that, we might
0: be looking at a much worse start, like for the Ravens. Yeah, and the Ravens, like, to me, it seems like you know they—that's a tough—that's a tough start for them. Like getting the Pats, getting the Bills, getting the the Bengals, even the Dolphins are looking to rebound this year. And like you mentioned, if there's any type of like how fragile they are, if there's any type of injuries, it becomes a lot harder. Uh, mm-hmm. To me, you know, they start off on the road against the Jets. I think they can win that game. They go home, their home opener against the Dolphins. I can see them winning that one. The Pats, I actually think they beat the Pats, even though it's on the road. And then when you're looking at, like, the Bills and the Bengals, they're probably losing those. That Sunday night game is going to be tough, man. Yes. That'll, be, that'll be must-see TV right Absolutely. there. Absolutely. I think they watched the Giants, though. Um, I just think they're a better team overall. Mm-hmm. The middle of their schedule, it stays pretty difficult, man. And this is the wrong – Oh no, this is the right one. So the middle of their schedule stays pretty tough. I saw that, that Ravens logo kind of threw me <laughs> off there.
1: Yeah.
0: And so they go the Browns, the Bucks, and then the Saints. Both of those are road games in prime time playing Thursday night football and Monday night football. And then the Mm -hmm. Panthers and the Jaguars coming off of the bye.
1: Right. So I think with those, I mean, yeah, that's going to be some tough matchups with the, the Bucks. I mean, sure, they might be able to the Ravens defense might be able to put some pressure on the Buccaneers, let's say, injured offensive line. So I think that might at least be their saving grace for that matchup. But we know it's going to be like like you were saying, like must see TV yeah. Saints, even though they just lost like CJG, like to the Eagles. Just uh, like what was that? That signing that yesterday. trade was just yesterday. Yeah. So it's, but I still think that their defense is still, like, pretty stout. So that might be another tough matchup for them. Then coming out, I mean, against Carolina, I get that they're coming back healthy. What, J.C. Horn, like, coming back, like, this season. Uh, so I think it's possible to think about that. And, of course, Jacksonville. I'm hopeful for Jacksonville turning the ship around without Urban Meyer, but still, I mean, it's yes. very difficult for them to see, like, a complete 180 in year one, like, after the fact. So, yeah, I think, again, another brutal stretch for them, like just even coming, like, coming into the bye and also coming out
0: of the bye, It just seems like a tough schedule. It is. And I think those two road games in prime time are going to be tough for Ravens team, but then I can see them winning some of those other ones. Those two at home against the Browns and the Panthers, even though might be tougher than they look like those are still going to be tough games. I give them the win there. And then even going on the road against Doug Peterson led Jacksonville team, I can still see the Ravens pulling that one off. So I think they go probably about two and three or three and two, excuse me, in that stretch. Yeah. Um, and I, I would say that that's a fair a fair assessment for them. And then we come back to the end of the schedule and we see those division games, they're kind of uh, towards the end of the schedule. The Broncos, Steelers, and then Browns, Falcons, Steelers, and then Bengals. Chris, what's your thought on those games, man?
1: So I think for the to, like to round things out, I mean, Pittsburgh, I mean, seeing like those two divisional matchups, especially once we get in that, I mean, that's fantasy playoffs time, right? Yeah. I mean, so that's going to be, that's going to be a little tough. I mean, their defense has traditionally been like one of the tougher ones. I mean, TJ Watt like up in the front. I mean, they've been like high in terms of like uh, pressure rate and being able to create pressures against the quarterback. And traditionally, I mean, we saw that uh, Lamar has struggled against that, especially yep. that Miami game like last year, like where he wound up turning the ball over multiple times. So, I can see them actually being like a tougher matchup, but we'll see from an offensive standpoint if the Ravens defense can get a couple of turnovers, which against Mitchell Trubisky or Kenny Pickett, it's completely likely. But Seems that like game they split those, like yeah. they would split those games. I could definitely see them splitting those, but of course Atlanta's the one to the one to really target Atlanta last year. Now, this is using a four for four metric adjusted fantasy points allowed. They had, they allowed one of the highest averages of uh, fantasy points allowed, like to the quarterback position at 19.7. So, if there's any game that I would feel just like absolutely great about Lamar smashing, it has to be against Atlanta.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you there. I feel like at least that game, they'll probably split those Steeler games. Yeah. And then and I feel like even the Bengals and, and Browns, that will probably be a split there. I could see them going 3-3 three and three in this stretch. That's a tough – man, the, the Ravens have a tougher schedule than it looks on paper because those division games are always tough no matter if the team is good or not. Right. Like whether it's Jacoby Brissett starting early on, whether it's, uh you know, Kenny uh, Pickett starting later on in the, in the year, it doesn't matter, we already know those division games are super tough, even the Bengals down there, that might be for the division right there.
1: It absolutely, it absolutely could be at that point, it looks like if they already have like the time like TBD they're probably waiting to see if they can flex yeah. that to something where a few more folks can get some eyes on it, and they don't want it at like, you know, the boring one o'clock slot. So there, I mean, the NFL has already kind of hedged their bet that that's exactly what's going to happen in week 18. So I'm with you there.
0: All right. So if you had to put a number on it, it looked like you were kind of heading towards like six wins. When we got to that Jaguar slate, you think they went about three games there. It sounded like 50, 50 type.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So their line was sitting at ten and a half, ten and a half wins. I had them at ten and you had them Mm -hmm. at around nine.
1: Yeah. Are you
0: feeling the under on this a little bit?
1: I am feeling the under on this, to be quite honest. I know that with uh, having an aggressive minded coach in John Harbaugh, uh, they do try and play at least as uh, as aggressive as possible as a team in terms of like fourth down fourth down conversions even fourth down like play rate. But at the same time, it's again, it's just, I, I have questions about this offense. Like if we're already having questions about like J.K. Dobbins in that running game, I get that they're bringing in Kenyon Drake, but it's like again, it's it's Kenyon Drake at this point in his career, so it's <laughs> like can't get too excited about that. Right. So it's like I do have some questions about that offense
0: as a whole. So I feel like nine wins is that's I think that's I think that's realistic, right? I feel like 10, just with this division, it's tough. And I think everybody's looking at the Browns potentially struggling, especially early on. And then the Steelers um, obviously are in a kind of a rebuild mode with Trubisky and potentially Kenny Pickett at some point. But those games are, we just can't count those teams out of any of these AFC North games. So I got the under in that one. I don't feel too confident, but I got the under.
1: Right. Lamar can prove us wrong and I'll be fine with that to be quite honest. Yes.
0: If they Mm -hmm. won 13 games on the strength of Lamar, I would not be surprised at all. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's move on to the Super Bowl, the losers, Super Bowl losing Cincinnati Bengals. Um, And their schedule to me is is just as tough, man. It it feels like the AFC, I've I've done the AFC East already. And these AFC matchups are going to be like incredible because there's so many, like you mentioned, there's a lot of quarterback talent just in the AFC, let alone team talent. So let's talk about it, man. How are you feeling about the Bengals this year? Uh, I mean the
1: Bengals for this year, and that—that's my team. I live in Dayton, Ohio, about an oh, hour. You a Bengals of fan, huh? Hey, yeah, I lived in Cincinnati for uh, for college, so I mean, yeah, that—that's been my team for the last, uh, you know, like twenty-ish years or so. Uh, it's been some tough seasons, but now it's actually pretty cool having a, you know, a franchise to root for at, at this point. One there that's not—I mean, I haven't heard the word bungles in probably like a couple of years <laughs> or so now. So it's actually, you know, it's pretty nice change of pace. But I think the biggest question for for the Bengals is, can they still? have an explosive offense without just the big plays to jamar chase because that was that was what that offense was predicated on last season it yep. was burrow and it was chase and that's cool like don't get me wrong that's why that's why everybody wanted the cincinnati Bengals to draft chase and we saw that connection that they had at lsu immediately translate to the pro level almost from week one but now can they keep those explosives but can they be explosives to Higgins? Can they be explosives to Tyler Boyd out of the slot because he can be a productive uh, pass catcher? Like if you involve him in the offense, we just saw him do it a few seasons ago. Right. I mean, Joe Burrow last year he led the league in touchdowns on throws of twenty air yards or more with like thirteen, if I remember correctly. That's that's almost expected to regress, but yeah. can the offense still be efficient afterwards? And I think that they can. It's just that they need to be more creative. I mean, they need to incorporate some more play action with the upgrades that they've added along the offensive line. Maybe Burrow will at least feel more comfortable about turning his back to the defense on bootlegs and things like that. It's possible. But right. I think overall, I think that's the biggest question is like, can this team still be explosive while also maximizing their efficiency with the pass catch they have? It's not, it can't just be Burrow to chase, Burrow to chase, Burrow to chase. I mean, let's let's start to use some more of those pass catchers and like even Joe Mixon, like out of the backfield too. Like, hey, I'm hoping to see that as well.
0: Yeah, and it felt like you know they came in a little underrated last year, a little off the map, and then they got a little swagger to them towards the middle of the year. That why not us talk started, and they caught fire towards the end of the year, beating the Ravens team, beating them down in fantasy playoffs. Joe Burrow had two mega games. Yep, we saw T. Higgins have mega games. Jamar Chase went off, and so the team caught fire at the right time on their way to the Super Bowl. And to me um this has the feeling just and i don't mean to break it to you as a bangle fan i'm sorry i'm sorry it has the feeling of almost a letdown season you know and and there's a bunch of young guys on this team and Mm -hmm. there might be some growing pains but let's take a look at the schedule to make sure that that matches up to what i'm saying okay so the first couple weeks we got steelers dallas jets dolphins how are you feeling about those first four games
1: Uh, I would say they could squeak out two to three wins like just out out of there. I mean, their defense uh, going up against because we've seen the Bengals secondary be able to, for the most part, keep teams opposing like passing games in check. I mean, even the Super Bowl. I mean, that was against, I mean, one of the better offensive lines in the league with one of the better sets of pass catchers, although like, you know, Odell went down like at the half. But right. they've been able to their secondary with which also got some help with they bring in Dax Hill, that safety who can also play some nickel as well. So I'm not as afraid of, let's say, dynamic passing offenses like with what we're expecting from Miami with having Tyreek Waddle. I mean, having those types of playmakers like on the offense, I think they can possibly keep them in check. And their pass rush with Trey Henderson, uh, like, is also pretty solid as well. And Miami's offensive line isn't that great, even though they added Teron Armstead. So I think they could squeak that one out. Jets, sure. Pittsburgh yeah. that'll be that'll be a tough game but I think they can get through that one the biggest concern would then be Dallas's defense I mean from Micah Parsons uh, I mean Diggs I mean just I think there that might be the biggest uh the biggest hurdle for them I think three wins is possible out of that first uh the first four weeks
0: yeah I'd like to I'd like to give them three but I feel like they would lose one of the two that the either the Dallas game uh or the Jets game on the road; those back-to-back road games. I don't see them losing to the Jets at all. For some reason, I just I feel like that Dallas game is a trap, like almost like a trap game for them. I don't yeah, know why I feel yeah. like
1: it, but that one I think they could definitely lose. And heck, they lost to the Jets just last year. Remember yeah, that? They lost. They true. lost to
0: Mike White. That's so, yeah. true. All right. Well, I got them penciled in about three, and that 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 Dolphins game would be tough. But um, you know, they move on to two more road games, both against tough teams. I think they split these against the Ravens and the Saints what do you feel you feel like they, they're strong enough to go in and win both of those games or you feel like a split or maybe kind of a letdown stretch there
1: uh, that might be a letdown stretch, to be quite honest. And both of those, like, on the road. I mean, my my projection, like, going into this was that, especially this year, without the injuries and all that, this is going to be at this point. So that'll be, what, in week five against the healthy Ravens team at M&T Stadium. Yeah, I think they wind up, I think they take an L, like, on, on that one. And the yeah. same with the Saints. I mean, it's entirely possible they go into the Superdome. I know it's going to be Burrow, Chase, like, back in New Orleans again. You know, all the hype or whatever. them, you know, going back to Louisiana. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, but it's still that could be another letdown game as well. I think that might I want to give them the edge against the Saints uh, just because we don't know what that offense is going to look like with Jameis under center. But uh, I would say between those two, they at best they'll split.
0: Yeah, I think, at best, I think at best a split is correct. And that, that Saints team is no slouch, man. I think if Jameis plays at the level that he was playing at early last year and the defense continues to improve like they did, mm-hmm. um, that's going to be a very tough game for the Bengals. And then moving on, we got the Falcons and Browns and Panthers heading into the bye. Those look like three winnable games in my opinion.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we already talked about Atlanta Browns. I mean, their defense is still coming along. Their pass rush is still solid, but if we don't have really any concerns about their offense, like really making any sort of, you know, they're not, not really much of a threat at this point. They'll have at least, you know, the first like, you know, six or seven weeks to at least try and gel as a team. We'll see what Jacoby Brissett and, you know, Who is it? I mean, David Bell, Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Again, It's not really something that I'm concerned about from an offensive standpoint. So if I had to pit Joe Burrow against Jacoby Brissett, you got to give the edge to Joe Burrow. So I think they can get that one out. And the same thing for the Panthers. I don't care about it. Again, uh, the Panthers' offensive line is still a concern for them. And if yeah. the Bengals pass rush is still what it was last season, they still should be able to get home to Baker, who if you knock him off his spot, like he's erratic as everybody else. So, I'm I'm I think I give them 3 wins there.
0: Yeah, I think the Bengals definitely know Baker well enough to make him uh, a little flustered. So, Oh yeah. <laughs> coming out the bye, Steelers, Titans, Chiefs. And so, and then I'll go Browns too in that stretch. We'll see Deshaun back, uh obviously The Mahomes is there. The first two are a little bit easier, but they're on the road. The next two are a little bit harder, but they're at home. How are you feeling about those four games? Uh,
1: I'm saying like at least at least two wins off of that one. I still think they'd be able to get over the Steelers Uh, at that point. My guess is that's when they'll make uh, the switch at that point from Mitch Trubisky to Kenny Pickett. I'm assuming Mm. is going to be there at that point in the season. So against a rookie quarterback that should be able to get by. Um, with some of the changes to the titans not just on offense with the loss of aj brown but on defense as well uh some like defensive personnel changes they should be able to get by kansas city i'm not gonna say you know i mean they they beat them the twice rematch. Yeah, they beat them twice like last year you know in the regular season and in the playoffs but i will always defer to who has the better quarterback and i and i Even as a Bengals fan, I cannot say that Joe Burrow is a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. I'm not that delusional. So I'll (laughs) I'll hold the L against the the Chiefs there. But then I still think we can get over the Browns, even at that point with Deshaun, because it'll only be what? That'll be his second
0: week back? Second, yeah, because that's week 14. So it'll be his third week back, yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's like, I think they might be able to get over that, but I can understand if uh, out of that four game stretch, if you want to give them just two wins, I could see that.
0: Yeah, I see him. I see two and two there. I think they can they can definitely win that Steelers game. I think the Titans game would be tough because Titans might have some revenge on their mind as well. Oh, Y'all yeah, had um, nine but, sacks
1: in the playoffs yeah, so against the Titans. So yeah.
0: I could see I could see that one. And so I probably would give them two and two. Um losing that game to the Titans and then losing to the Chiefs and then beating the Browns. I could see somewhere around a two and two range, maybe three and one at best. The last four Bucks, Patriots, Bills, Ravens some tough teams in there just overall you got the belichick coach patriots plus three monsters there in the AFC, uh two in the afc and one in the nfc what's your record for them finishing out the season
1: i mean unless something completely catastrophic happens like to the bucks and like they're they have more injuries sustained along the offensive line that's an l i mean that's 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 an l it's either that's an l or we're looking at like uh you know Super Bowl like you know preview type matchup like right there, you know, yep. against the, the Bengals and the Bucks. Uh I I think I think they uh their offense their offense is the Bengals offense is better than the Patriots offense at this point. It's just a matter of who can generate turnovers on defense. I have some hopes that the Bengals defense can get one over on Bill Belichick at this point. So I'll give them the win, but I can understand any pushback there. Bill's S A L. Bill's S I, I L. That's That's it. That's That's A L. That's L right there. I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to like, you know, get into analysis on that one, but if I gave, but if I, uh but if I gave a win to Baltimore earlier in the season, I think the Bengals get one back on the back end.
0: Yeah, I can see that being a tough stretch for him. I would give him one in three. I think that if, if Tom Brady and the Bucks are firing all, all cylinders in his last, quote unquote, last year, mm-hmm. uh, I think the Bills and I think the Ravens, the Ravens at home, though, you're right. But if that's for the division, I'm going, like you said, better quarterback. That's I'm fair. actually going with Lamar at the end. So I got him three and one, or uh, three. Uh, sorry, one and three rounding out the season. Okay. So looks like you had him around nine wins. And I got them around nine wins as well, just in different ways. Mm-hmm. Their they're total set at nine and a half. How are you feeling about that?
1: I think that's fair. I mean, and in in like what like we were talking, there are a couple of games where it's like it could go either way. It just kind of comes down to who comes in, you know, who can generate turnovers, who comes in the healthiest, right? Because yeah. if it's against that Baltimore team and they suffer any injuries along the offensive line or something like that, it could just be another sequence of events like we saw in twenty twenty one. So I think nine is realistic. But if things kind of break right like they did last year, I mean, I could see them having 10, 11 wins or something like that. And they take the division again.
0: All right. Well, let's go over the last two more for fun, because I don't think that Mm -hmm. these are going to be very—I don't think these are going to be very fun to to actually look over. (laughs) Yeah. Um, When we're talking about the uh, the Steelers and the Browns, I'm not sure. You know, I don't think the Browns make a whole lot of noise without Deshaun this year, whatever he is, and the Steelers as well, going through the quarterback change. So let's take a look at the Browns to begin. Oh, the Browns. I got to switch it up see if we can go here did that work that did not no. work. let's try one more time get the right screen in here man mm-hmm. hey navigating the show isn't as easy as it's, it looks it's man. tough
1: hosting man like yeah <laughs> I, i'm in the preferred chair i've, I've been on that side man.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know i've been mm-hmm. going now for like i said a little over a month it's been fun man getting to connect with people hear different yeah. difference in opinions this has been a good thing man mm-hmm. so um, here's the brown schedule and is there anything that st- sticks out obviously the first 11 weeks are going to be rough for this rougher i should say for this team is there anything mm-hmm. that sticks out uh when you look at the schedule the white games are in home and the uh orange ones there are in the away games so we've talked about a couple
1: of teams already that you would want to target in terms of like games that are, that are winnable panthers in week one winnable falcons in what was that week four winnable yep week two against the jets winnable Steelers winnable uh let's see even looking even far down the line I see Texans there in week 13 I mean that's the Deshaun Watson that's return return game. yep yep winnable I see commanders in week 17 winnable so it's like even right there just off the rip just looking at the teams that they're going to face I see seven wins six or you know five six seven wins like somewhere in there just based off of those teams that they're playing against now I don't think that like we were talking earlier about you would give the benefit of the doubt to the better quarterback, like whether it was Lamar, whether it was Burrow or whomever. The the Browns don't have that. So even in some of these matchups where it looks like they could win. So it's like, let's say if they were to play against shoot against the like uh, against the Bengals when they have to play against the Bengals in week 14, Deshaun might be back. But do you give him like it? It's second week back. He's only had yeah, a few weeks to prepare. He might not be all the way back. He might not be all the way back. So do you give him the benefit of the doubt in that game? It's like, I don't know. So it's like in a couple of those games where we want to at least give the benefit of the doubt to the uh, the better quarterback, I don't know if they'll have that at that point. So it's yeah. like maybe five, six wins is about like all that I see out of this entire schedule, to be quite honest.
0: Yeah, I look at some of those... Gimme wins, you know, and I look at him and I'm thinking even early on in the season, Jacoby's going to will him to a couple that they shouldn't. He's probably going to sure. lose a couple that they should win. And they're going to lean a lot on the run game and the defense, which is still stout in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. But when we get to the back end of that schedule, I think this team is going to have a little bit of a conflict because when Deshaun comes back in after not playing for 11 games, it's not going to be all roses. It's not going to be all sweet. There's going to be some groin pains there for this, for that team and learning each other, new quarterback to me, this feels like a six to seven win schedule. It doesn't, I'm kind of on board there with you. It doesn't feel like this team, uh, their win total right now sitting at eight and a half. I don't think they get anywhere near that. Mm -hmm. um, With the schedule that's there in front of them. And then also just with the whole controversy, that's going to be clouding this team for an entire season. So, To me, I don't like spending a whole lot of time on the Browns this year. I'm not too invested in them at all and what they got going on. So if you want to move on, I'm down to move on from the Browns.
1: Yeah, let's go ahead and move on. I mean, like I said, I know I'm in Ohio, so Cleveland fans, don't come at me, man. I'm just saying, like, y'all got problems at quarterback. You know this, so be honest with yourself, but don't hate me for that.
0: Hey, we had to talk. It was obligatory. I think I butchered that word, but to talk about them, we had to. You know what I'm saying? So
1: gotta do it. You gotta do it. Let's
0: let's move on to the last team, and that's the Steelers. And I think this is it's not exciting, but it'll be a little bit more fun, in in my opinion. Uh, the Steelers team is always competitive and well-coached, obviously. There's still a lot of talent on this team when you talk about the offense in general. Uh, obviously, the offensive line needs some work, but the mm-hmm. weapons, there's weapons glory. The defense is still going to be one of the top 10 defensive units in the league. How are you feeling about the Steelers this season?
1: I mean, the the biggest question is under center because we don't have too many questions about the, about the running back position. I mean, Najee Harris, like while... I wish they would use him more efficiently as a receiver, catching just like nothing but those dump offs at or behind the line of scrimmage from Ben Roethlisberger last year. at least seems like they're willing to open it up a bit more, which is something that we didn't see from the last two seasons with Roethlisberger. I mean, right. Matt Canada as their O.C., They wanted to run like do more uh, pre-snap motion, like type looks, in order to like tip the defense's hand as to like what they're trying to, what coverages they're trying to run. They wanted to be more explosive as a passing offense. They wanted to run more play action. Ben can't throw deep anymore. Ben wasn't going to turn his back to the. He was just going to sit there and just immediately (laughs) chuck it because the dude didn't want to get hit. So it's like now that they have at least. Young players, I wouldn't say good because we don't know like what Mitch Trubisky can be. We don't know what Kenny Pickett, Pickett's going to be at the pro level, but at least they're young and they right. can take a hit and they can actually, you know, be at least semi mobile in the pocket. So now we're seeing at least during the preseason, deeper shots like down the sideline. I was just watching their their game. Who is it against? I think it was against Detroit, if I'm remembering correctly, which is like their last uh, preseason matchup, something along those lines. Yeah. Um, but. We're seeing shots to, like, George Pickens, like, down the sideline. We're seeing shots. A lot of
0: shots to George Pickens. A lot
1: of shots to George Pickens, and I like that. Like, some shots to Deontay Johnson, even though now he's, like, got a shoulder injury. Yeah. We'll see what happens with Chase Claypool, once he comes back from his injury. But, like, Pat Frym, it's, like, you can list. I mean, there are, like, three, four, five options uh, from the skill positions that we all like from a fantasy standpoint. So, all of that at least should be a boost, like, to the quarterback. It's just which quarterback are we going to get? Like, that's, right. That's, Let me that's my ask question. you this:
0: just and as a Bengals fan, you know how the Steelers are. You know they're competitive mm-hmm. every year. Now, obviously, they got Trubisky in there. They got a bunch of young guys. The offensive lines in shambles, but this team is. We've seen it year after year with Mike Tomlin. Every time somebody wants to doubt him, this team is still competitive. Now their win total is set at like seven and a half games, which would be a losing record, which we haven't seen very often from Mike Tomlin. I'm not sure we've seen it never, uh, yeah, ever. So. Mm-hmm. Do you think that this team will be more competitive than they are on paper? Oh, yes.
1: I I think that you mentioned the key ingredient to that competitive nature, like for the Steelers, and that is Mike Tomlin. I mean, that brother has had that ship running tight, like since he walked into that facility. I mean, think about all of the personalities that have come in there, and he's kept a lid on it for the most part like for, for all of them, from Antonio Brown, I mean, Juju and like, you know, his TikTok stuff and like pretty much like all of the personalities that have come through that locker room and he's been able to keep not just a, a clean roster, but a winning roster throughout Facts. what, like maybe 15, like 15 plus years Since of him being as a, as a head coach. Right? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I think uh, they bring that element, especially as a Bengals fan that's just like, Oh yeah, we should be able to beat the Steelers because you know, da da like bad offensive line, you know, can't do this. Ben roth would terrible. And then we wind up losing. It's like, how (laughs) does this keep happening? Because of Mike Tomlin. Like every single time that I think that we can get one over on the Steelers, wind up losing. So, yeah, I think that's, that's the key ingredient right there. He always brings the best out of his players, and that's been the thing since he took over.
0: Now, obviously, I think for the Steelers more so than any team, it's tough because if you go through the schedule and we try to predict game by by game, I think we would be one thousand percent wrong because a) we don't Ugh. know who the quarterback's going to be at any given yep. point in time, mm-hmm. and b) we don't know how competitive that Steelers team is going to be on any given Sunday. Yep. The total sitting at seven and a half. Do you feel like they go? They get their first losing season under Tomlin, or do you feel like they'll they'll defy the odds? i think
1: they'll defy the odds there's going to be one game that they're going to be at least one game they're going to be projected to lose like shoot they'll probably wind up beating the eagles even though the eagles got one of like the best <laughs> rosters top to bottom in the entire league now especially after uh they wound up pick up who they pick up uh just the other day uh, they, uh yes, yeah cjg like we were talking earlier so it's like one of the best defenses in the league one of the best offensive lines in the league mike tom will still find a way Nor do it'll be like 10 or something like that, and Mike Tomlin <laughs> will still find a way to do it. It's just gonna be one of those things that he does like every year,
0: right? And they'll split those divisional games. We'll see the even though they probably should be losing to the Bengals and to the Ravens, they'll go mm-hmm. and they'll go on the road and win one. Yeah, they'll beat them at home. Like yeah, we we just know how the Steelers team. If I had a pencil in the Steelers for a record, and it's funny because the line is sitting at seven and a half is so tempting. Like I think they actually have a losing record, but it's eight wins. Okay. I put him at around eight wins. And yeah. I look at their schedule. I look at teams like the Saints. I look at the Bucks. I look at the Bills. I look at, you know, obviously the division is already hard enough. Look at the Dolphins. Just, there's just some challenges that I see for this team. So yeah. I don't normally doubt or fade Mike Tomlin very often, but I'm going to this year.
1: Yeah, it's like betting against Bill Belichick. You don't want to do it, but it's just, again, looking at this roster on paper and just looking at the, the type of talent that he now has to work with at this point, it's going to be tough. It's yeah. certainly going to be tough. And like while we were talking earlier about you want to give the the quarterback the benefit of the doubt, I want to give the head coach the benefit of the doubt here in this case. But it's tough looking at that schedule.
0: It is. Well, that takes care of our AFC North conversation. Let us know in the comments what you're thinking. You feel like we got the, the lines right? It feels like Vegas got these lines pretty damn That's accurate pretty good, when yeah. I look at them. So, mm-hmm. all right, well, let's move on to fantasy. Let's talk some rookies. And this segment is my favorite. It's called the Zero RB chris you didn't like the name the zero rb no
1: i like that because it just (laughs) anytime somebody says zero rb especially on twitter i mean you scroll through the timeline and you see people talking about zero rb there's always some sort of debate or discussion like about zero rb and like should you do it should you not do it which players you should target and all this other stuff so it always cracks me up like hearing that because it's always sparks like some sort of controversy online
0: It's funny because that's kind of why I've embodied that is that we talk so harshly about fantasy football and it's like, my player is right and your player is wrong and they have no chance and they're going to be an all-star and they're like, zero RB doesn't work. You have to draft two running backs. And to me, it just embodies all of that. So when people talk to me a lot of times, I embrace the zero RB strategy, but I'm like, Mm -hmm. any strategy can work. It all depends on your players at the end of the day. So you Mm got to draft talent, you got to avoid injury and you got to get a little lucky with who you're playing every week. So that's what this segment's about man let's talk about these rookies so obviously this rookie class it wasn't as exciting as it's been in years past and i know everybody's looking ahead to that 2023 class when it comes to fantasy purposes sure. but we did have some rookies that came into this class that should make an impact so i'm going to throw out your name just give me a quick two three sentence you know opinion on how you feel like they will be this year Brees hall uh, obviously was a top rookie running back in the class. And right now he's going in that running back, you know, 15 to 20 range. Some are taking him a little higher. Some are taking a little lower. What are your thoughts on Brees Hall for redraft purposes this season? Overvalue, unfortunately. Love the talent,
1: but I do think with the way that this offense is constructed, we're not really expecting a ton of wins out of it anyway. Michael Carter is still a serviceable RB2 behind him. That what he costs right now, what Hall costs for right now in drafts is a bit too much for me, but I'm thinking in 2023. Absolutely. Like this, the team continues to move forward. He continues to progress in his second year and he can be that guy that we're expecting to be. So I would want his cost to be where it's at in 2023 and I'll definitely take him there.
0: Yeah, there's always that talk about rookie. There's one rookie running back that finishes in the top 10. and For me, it doesn't feel like Brees Hall is going to be that guy. Mm-hmm. Maybe like second half, if we're talking like after week 12 or 13 and he's caught on steam and the, the Jets have committed to making him their, their feature back, then maybe I can see that. But like you mentioned, Michael Carter still going to be a factor. The mm-hmm. team isn't going to be very good. So they're going to be passing the ball a lot more than we want to see. I'm not in on Brees Hall as ADP right now. If he dropped a round or two, maybe I'd be interested, sure. but there's some other guys that I like a little better. Now we move to the rookies, and obviously Drake London is was the, the first running the first wide receiver off the board. Headed to Atlanta to play with Mariota. Now the quarterback situation makes pause for concern for most people. Does it worry you when it comes to Drake London? Should we temper expectations or do you think the talent prevails?
1: I Think the talent prevails, and I don't know, man. For some reason, I'm looking at this Atlanta Falcons team. I mean, you go, for, I mean, you got Marcus Mariota down there, right? We'll see if we'll see if Desmond Ritter like pops up again. You yeah. see what's going on, uh, but it's just <laughs> like Marcus Mariota reunited with Arthur Smith, like from Tennessee. Mariota still looks like he has some, some wiggle to his game if he gets if he has to scramble, so all good there. But look at the look at the pass catchers you got right now. I mean, what Drake London's what, like 6'3, six, 6'4 six, or something like that? Drake, uh, uh not Drake London, uh, but Kyle Pitts also in the 6'3, six, 6'4. Six, you got twin towers out there. Yes. I mean, so we're running on vibes at this point. It looks cool, right? It just looks like if they get off the bus, it's a couple of shooting guards like hopping <laughs> off the bus. So, like, I'm cool with the vibes. I just don't know how that's not going to translate to team wins. So I'm good with drafting like Drake London where he's at, just because. We know that he can create separation in the short and intermediate areas of the field, which is where Marcus Mario operates best. And even once they do get into the red zone, he does provide at least a large enough target to at least earn those targets once they get there. It might not happen that often because it's the Falcons offense, but if it is going to be anybody, I think Drake London should be able to get his in year one.
0: Yeah, and I, I like Drake London, the talent, and I think he's probably he's probably going to be one of the more effective rookies this year when it comes to fantasy. It's just I think there's always going to be that guy in your league who's the dynasty hog, and we'll mm-hmm. take him probably two or three rounds before he's supposed to go. So oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> I
0: typically am not going in on Drake London. I think Kyle Pitts is going to be the de facto, obviously, wide receiver one for this team. And Mariota, I think, will give Drake London some value. If he had a season around 800 to 900 yards and he had a six to eight touchdowns, that would not shock me. And I think that's a Solid. productive rookie season yes. for Drake London. Mm-hmm. Now let's go to my favorite rookie out of the cl- for fantasy redraft purposes. And that's Chris Olave in the Saints. Mm. And we've talked about the Saints a little bit. And if Jamison, if everything clicks, how exciting this can be. Michael Thomas is there. Jarvis Landry is there. Do you feel like there's a ceiling on Chris Olave? Sky's the limit. Or are you out on Chris Olave?
1: Uh, I'm not saying I'm out on Chris Olave, but I just have I've have concerns about the Saints' offense. This is like because we haven't really seen Jameis at least be efficient through an entire throughout the entire season. Now, last year, throughout like the last like four weeks of the season before he tore his ACL, Jameis was top ten in EPA per play, which is great. I mean, it's great to see Jameis Winston take that step in terms of being efficient but he was still towards the back end of the league in completion percentage over expected. So still inaccurate. I mean, this is post LASIK Jameis. Like everyone (laughs) thought that he was going to be at least a better quarterback, like from an accuracy standpoint, after he got that LASIK surgery, not the case. So now we're going to expecting him to at least be efficient over a 16, 17 game stretch without Sean Payton. And again, it's just like, I would say that the offensive line is fine. But it's almost like taking a it's like taking a copy of a copy where it's like the features are still there. But it's just like the lines are a little blurred because they don't have the depth right. that they used to like along their offensive line. So again, Jameis is another one of those quarterbacks where if you knock him off the spot, you don't know what's going to happen like after the fact. So I think Olave as a talent. Absolutely. Ohio State, you know, that's one of my guys. But if you're attached to Jameis, I do have some questions about the volatility associated with that pass game, and especially if you've got Michael Thomas slant boy there. Eaten up most of the targets. (laughs) How much can we really expect from a target standpoint for Chris Olave in year one? I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's true. And maybe it's my vision. Maybe I got to go get the LASIK because I can't see a damn thing myself. So maybe I got to go get the LASIK too. But I really do like Chris Olave this year. I think he comes in as a polished uh, receiver. Somebody that Jameis can rely on for those deeper balls. You know, obviously, like, yeah, he, that's like you mentioned, they got Jarvis and they got uh, Michael Thomas there for some of the short yardage stuff. To me, I feel like Jameis has always been a guy that's that's loved the deep ball. So mm-hmm. coming in, I think he's ready to, to to come in and actually be an impact. Mm-hmm. Now, from someone we disagree on to somebody that everybody in the world agrees on now, and that George Pickens is going to be a future Hall of Famer, the next Randy Moss, <laughs> this year's Jamar Chase, 15,000-yard receiver this year. Yeah. How are you feeling about George Pickens, man? Because we talked about the Steelers team. There's going to be some groin pains from the offense. The line isn't very good. You think George Pickens can make a fantasy impact this season? The, the impact that people are talking about?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because we're already starting to see it in the preseason. And it just like it bugs me to no end that the Steelers can continue to hit on these wide receivers in like, you know, the second, third, fourth round, like without it's just like, you know, the Bengals have to wait for like a generational talent in Jamar Chase. (laughs) Of course, we got T Higgins just, you know, a couple of years ago. and And that's fine. He's nice. But I'm just saying, like, how do they consistently get value out of this position? But no he already has the established connection like with Mitch Trubisky and we're at least assuming Trubisky is going to be their dude for the first half of the season. And now with Deontay Johnson nursing, whatever injury, whether it's the AC joint sprain or something along those lines, immediately after uh, Deontay went down, we saw George Pickens elevated essentially to that wide receiver one spot where he's, being moved all over the field, being targeted at each level of the field as well. So it's just and he was able to at least be productive like on those targets. He didn't wind up catching a right. touchdown. I think that went to Steven Sims if I remember correctly in the preseason game. But if he can still at least create separation, be a good blocker like for their running game because we know that's going to be a huge part of their offense, George Pickens can definitely be uh, fantasy uh, fantasy relevant for this season, especially where he's going right now in draft. His ADP starting to creep up. But yes. I would still I would still bite on that cost at this point.
0: So when you say fantasy relevant, you know, that could be wide receiver five, wide receiver three, wide receiver one. In your terms of fantasy relevance, obviously he's going in the, the 120 range, I would say, probably wide receiver 40 to 45. ish. So that puts him in the wide receiver five tier. Do you think he makes that next level that, that I've always kind of compared George Pickens's rise to like Martavis Bryant's rise? It feels eerily mm. similar mm-hmm. to what they were able to do. Do you feel like that's the type of impact he has or he can reach a level beyond that?
1: No, I think, at least for his rookie season, uh, at least attached to the quarterbacks that we're talking about, like Trubisky, Pickett, or whatever, I think his ceiling being drafted as a wide receiver 5, his ceiling is probably a wide receiver 4. Maybe high-end, like, you know, low-end, like, wide receiver 3. Like, that's about right. where I'd put his rookie season.
0: Okay. But so I like Higgins, and, yeah, that's to me, it feels like he's going in the right spot. And I think there's a lot of people that want more for him, and he's showing us so much more. The potential is there. He's a guy that if, if he became a wide receiver too, it wouldn't shock any of us. Mm-hmm. But to me, I feel like you're right on there. Like low end wide receiver three with upside is probably the max I see his value for this season. Right. And then the last receiver I wanna talk about, before I give you a couple little quick hitters, Traylon Burks. How you feeling about him? I'm I'm kinda of out on Traylon Burks this year. I don't know,
1: man. Like just all, all the stories we've been hearing about Traylon Burks. Like the joke that I've been telling some of my some of my boys is that we're about one mispractice practice away from Mike Vrabel just like furiously smoking a cigarette and blowing it right in that boy's <laughs> face because you know he got asthma. That's where I'm at with Traylon Burks. Because you well because we saw Vrabel and how upset he was with Julio Jones like last year with him yeah. not being able to practice and all that. He doesn't do the diva stuff. Okay, fine. But Traylon Burks, at least from all the reports that I've heard so far, is that one, he might have had some conditioning issues like right after the draft. All that stuff is behind him. And now it's more about can he establish a connection with Brian Tannehill? Can he run the right routes? Can he at least like be productive on the field? And he's learning from one of the better, like, you know, veteran wide receivers in the game and Robert Woods. Yeah, he has the support system around him. He definitely has the quarterback around him where it's not like this is not an offense that's predicated on the past. Like Tennessee has been towards the back end of pass rate over expectation for the past few seasons. So we'll have Derek Henry essentially being the headliner, but can he be, you know, the, you know, the third option, you know, for, for Ryan Tannehill, like in that, uh, in that offense. And I think, yes, I think it's definitely possible for him to do it. It's going to take a while. And yeah. that's the same for all rookies. So like, I'm not necessarily out on him, but because of the offense that they're, that they, that he plays for, and also the Titans, they did lose like some offensive line talent this season whether they lost Roger Saffold, Questenberry. Mm-hmm. So like the bills essentially rated their interior offensive line. So there's some question marks there but overall i think burks he'll be fine it's just where he's going right now it doesn't it doesn't appeal to me his cost
0: no I, i'm out of, i don't see it this year i think the young man is going to have some struggles that he's had but it does kind of <sighs> feel like there's there's a lot more negative sentiment about him than there should be like i i yes. don't think he's going to reach the expectations but i'm not writing off this young man in his career i'm not writing off what mm. he's he's capable of doing Give him some time. Not all rookies can come in and, and go for 1,400 yards like Chase, man. Yes. He'll be fine. He's going to be a fine pro, in my opinion. Give him some time. Just not this year in redraft. So yes. That does it for, for the fantasy topics, the rookies. Let us know what you guys thought about the rookies. I got some numbers for you, though. All right, hey, let's I go. I got some numbers for you. So real quick, here we go. So last year, there was from week 10 to week 17 in PPR formats. Uh-huh. This running back was the running back 11. He's going as the running back 26 right now. Do you feel like that's a solid draft or is somebody you'd want to pass on? So and from week, week 10 to win? From week 10 until week 17, which was the end of the fantasy playoffs, okay. he was the running back 11, and he's currently going as the running back 26. Running
1: back 26. So that's a discount right there. Now I'd probably need a little bit more context as to how he created those, like whether it's like through the air, nah, touchdowns, we play or the whatever. game. You gotta,
0: you gotta just guess.
1: Yeah. So let's see. If I had to guess, uh, like who that running back is, man, like who could that possibly be? And like, and this is in PPR scoring, right? Yep, in PPR scoring. And hmm, I'm trying to throw you off. And he's being drafted as the rb26 right now
0: yeah he's the rb26 right now RB26. strong finish of the year he his uh counterpart was injured for a portion of of that time
1: yeah 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 hmm rb26 is it chase edmonds
0: not chase edmonds aj Dillon.
1: A.J. Dillon. Okay.
0: Yeah. I'm Are trying to inter- think of
1: who, who's being drafted around, like, the RB26, and Chase Edmonds felt close to that. Okay. that
0: was close. It yeah. was close. Chase, I love Chase this year. Actually, yeah. I like I like Chase in the setup this year. That was A.J. Dillon. You entered out on A.J. Dillon.
1: Oh, I'm 100% in on A.J. Dillon. I like yeah. it, too.
0: I like yeah. it. All right. This wide receiver was averaging 15 points a game okay. through the first nine games that he played and ahead of guys like Brandon Cook, uh, Brandon Cooks, excuse me, Hollywood Brown, and Mike Williams for the first nine games. He averaged 15 points per game and only played nine games uh, at the beginning of the season. Right now, he's going as the wide receiver 46. Wide receiver 46. Hmm. Wide receiver 46. Mm. Man, that far back. You've uh... actually mentioned his name in this broadcast.
1: Oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> now that's going to bother me. Uh, did he miss any games?
0: He missed. Uh, yeah, he only played nine games last year. He missed the rest season. of the season. He missed the rest of the season. And I already mentioned him. Wide receiver 46? He said he's one of the, one of the better receivers in the game. Uh, Robert Woods boom you got it robert woods you in on robert woods this year at his value
1: yes yeah i do think that with the way that the tennessee titans like might operate this year it won't be as explosive because they don't have AJ brown but the target should be there i mean if we're thinking that he needs to beat out a rookie in treylon burks who might take half the season or three quarters of the season to come on and nick resberg akine yeah i'll take robert woods
0: yeah i think i think he'll have a solid season too all right well yeah. do a little curveballs have a yeah, little fun. yeah that, 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 that was tough that was tough I appreciate you coming on, man. Chris Allen, man. You smart dude. You very smart dude, oh, man. You know your man. shit. So I appreciate man. you coming on, sharing your knowledge. Let people know where they can find you, my man.
1: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Chris Allen FFWX. And like Justin was saying, you know, I write I, I get the opportunity to contribute to a number of different websites. But if you've got any questions, you know, come hit my DMs or whatever. I'm I'm online as much as I can be.
0: Appreciate you, Chris. Well, that does it for this episode. Make sure you tune in every Monday through Friday, 3 o'clock p.m. Pacific time. And then also on Saturday, I'm dropping a mailbag episode. So if you got questions, let me know. This is Justin Henry Show.